Welcome everyone to part two of our three-part series we're doing on the book of Habakkuk. Where we're, again, we're just going to look at the driving question of why doesn't God seem fair? And again, the, the, a lot of the content of this series we got from Life Church. Uh, they did this series, so they did the heavy lifting, but also another resource is the Bible, which is always a good one. Um, and so to review a little, Habakkuk is one of 12 minor prophets from the Old Testament. Habakkuk is a name that actually means to embrace or to wrestle. And it's a book that is written in a judicial language. And if you weren't here last week, God told the prophet Habakkuk to tell your people, the Israelites, I'm going to destroy them because they are wicked. And chances are that Habakkuk probably agreed with that. He's like, that, that makes sense. They are, are, you know, sinning and doing all these horrible things. And so th that part didn't uh, surprise Habakkuk. But God added a little twist and he tells Habakkuk that he's going to use, um, raise up the Babylonians who were much more wicked and more evil than the Israelites. And he was going to use the Babylonians to deliver this punishment to them. And this obviously didn't sit well with Habakkuk. And you see him object or argue with God. And he's trying to make a case for why God doesn't seem fair. And so before we get more in the thick of it, and I know I just triggered some of you guys with the song, um, let's pray and ask God to really use this time because um, I believe he wants to speak to us. So God, we, um, we open our hearts and our minds, God, as we open your word tonight. And God, we pray that we would receive it in a way that you meant for it to be received. God, our, our ultimate desire is that just having this time together ultimately leads us closer to you that we have a better understanding of who you are and who we are in you, Lord. And so we just pray that whatever we come in these doors with, God, that, that we would just lay it at your feet. God, if we have questions after questions, Lord, that we would find uh, a peace within you. God, that we would um, find resolve. And I just pray for healing where there's brokenness, Lord. And, and so we just give you this time tonight and just uh, ask for more of you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So tonight, if, if you're facing something in your life where you feel like you, you don't understand God because you know that he can do something about your current situation, but it seems like either he doesn't care or he's choosing not to do something, if that's you, then, then I really do believe that the, the book of Habakkuk is going to speak to you tonight. So the question that we're going to be wrestling with tonight is what do you do when you're in the dip? And some of you are like, what in the world are you talking about? So if you weren't here last week, I'll try to refresh a little bit. I feel like a teacher now, like with a whiteboard. All right. So if you remember last week, if you were here, so we have, imagine this person here. This is a person um, maybe doesn't believe in God or anything like that. It doesn't have Christ, no relationship with Christ. And we talked about how, you know, even if that's you here tonight, it's, it's a great thing that you're here. We believe that God is maybe even softening your heart for you to even want to be here. Uh, but we're talking about how, then imagine this person is having this, this powerful experience where the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, just God is revealing himself to them. And they come to this place where they accept Jesus in their heart. They accept the forgiveness that he offers. And their life just dramatically changes and you almost go on this like spiritual adrenaline rush we talked about how like it just seems like your prayers are being answered it's like 
every traffic light you come up to just turning green for you, like God is smiling down on you. Um, and so it's just, just amazing feel. Everything is awesome, right? Triggered another song probably. Um, but then as life continues, this on-fire believer begins to, to experience some difficult challenges. Things were just like their prayers are all of a sudden not being answered. And maybe they lost their job or they lost a loved one. Or it's just a situation where, again, it feels like God could do something about it, but for some reason he's not doing something about it. And it leads to this place that we called the crisis of belief point or like this faith wall where you're just like, God, you were showing me all these incredible and amazing things. Everything was awesome. And then all of a sudden it's like, like, where are you at? Like, I don't know. I don't really know what I believe anymore because I thought you were this, but maybe you're not. And, and so we talked about when you're in this crisis of belief point that people usually go one of two ways that they could kind of pretend that what they're experiencing and feeling in that moment is not really happening. And they kind of go in this place of denial and they go, I just want to go back to when everything was awesome. And so they will go to their last spiritual high and they'll, they'll try to almost deny reality in that sense. The other option is people get angry and upset and they're like, you know what, God, if you're not going to do what I asked you to do in my life or things are not working out the way that I thought they were, then maybe you're not who I thought you were. Maybe in fact you don't even exist and I don't believe you anymore. I don't even want a relationship with you anymore. And so then some people might go back to this place before they even had a relationship with God. And we learned last week again that the name Habakkuk means to wrestle and to embrace. And if this person, if they choose, when they're at this crisis of belief point, if they choose to, to continue to embrace God, and to even maybe wrestle with him through the difficult times, things may not get better right away. In fact, we talked about how it might even get harder, it might get even worse, might have even more faith struggles down here. But then we talked about if, if they practice what the new principle or the New Testament principle we see in James 1-2, which is where they say, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And so if this person goes, chooses to wrestle and embrace God through these difficult times, we'll find that this person ends up feeling or being closer to God than they ever felt before. And again, so they thought everything was amazing there. Well, everything's twice as amazing up there. And you find that people that do have a, a strong faith in God, an intimate relationship with him, they've gone through difficult challenges, dips in their life that have led them to this place where they feel much closer to him. So that again, the believer who continues to embrace God, even though they may not, things that like around them, they don't, they don't seem like it's going the way that they want them to, the person can grow much closer. And so going back to the question, what do you do when you are in the dip? Again, so this is the dip. All right, and so tonight we'll let the, the book of Habakkuk speak to us about three specific things that you can do when you're in the dip.
And so we get that from the first three verses of Habakkuk chapter 2. And remember, so this is Habakkuk had just gotten the word from God, like, like these horrible things are going to happen. And God's going to destroy his people, the Israelites, using the evil Babylonians to deliver this punishment. And so this is now Habakkuk is saying here, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give this complaint. The Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of, a, of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And so what do you do when you are in the dip? What do you do when you're struggling and you know that God could do something, but he's not? And he just doesn't seem fair and life doesn't seem like it, it makes sense. And you're wondering, God, like, where are you? What are you doing? And so there's three things, again, that we can do when we're in the dip. And, and so the first thing that the scripture teaches us is we listen. We stop and listen. Look again at the, what Habakkuk says in verse 1. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. Like, like, God, what is going on here? Too often what we do when we find ourselves at this crisis of belief point or this faith wall, a lot of times we whine and we complain. And then we kind of go on our way. Either we're going this way or we're going this way. Or, but we, we don't oftentimes take the time to stop and to listen and to maybe even ask God, like, like God, what are you trying to say? Like, what is happening right now? And the beautiful thing about God is that he is a relational God, and he loves to speak to his children. God is a God who speaks. And if you stop to listen, God will speak to you. And how will he speak? All sorts of different ways. God can speak audibly. I can say I've never heard God audibly speak to me, but I know some people have. And I know that God can if he wanted to. And, but I know... Um, God can also speak through his word, the Bible. And he can speak to you every single day if you choose to stop and to take that time to open up his word to hear what he might have to say for you in that day. God can often speak through our circumstances that we face in life. And if you look around, God can also speak through others as well. And so God will often speak to you. And sometimes he won't because he's God. And here's the thing, if you will listen to him and if he will speak to you, you may not always like what he says. And Habakkuk, he's not going to like it either. But at least when God speaks, you know exactly where he stands. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul had what was known as the thorn in his side or a thorn in his flesh. And we don't know exactly what that was, but we know that he did not want this thorn in his flesh in his life. And he was constantly praying and asking him, begging God to remove it. In fact, he, he begged him three times to, to remove it. And, and God basically said, I could, but I decided not to. My answer to you is no. And why? Because I'm going to do something even better than take it away. And you may not understand it, but I'm going to teach you that my grace is all that you need. 
In other words, God is saying, I can do it, but I'm not going to because I'm going to do something different inside of you. When you don't understand and when you are in the dip, you stop and you listen and let God speak to you. The second thing you do when you're in the dip is you write. You write what God shows you. Habakkuk said, where are you? What's going on? And God said, you want to know Habakkuk? Take notes. And this is what God said again in verse 2. It says, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so the herald may run with it. And why does God want us to write it down? Maybe years later when God proves himself just and true, he might want it in writing so that everyone can see that he is a God of his word. Now it's also for our benefit too because if any of you guys are like me, my wife could ask me, hey, can you pick up a few things at the grocery store? That's what, three things? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And I'm like on my way there and the enemy will distract or mess with my mind or I start daydreaming. And next thing you know, I made a mess of myself and I, I'm like, wait, there's three things, but I, I can only remember two of them. And then I'm too prideful at that moment or too afraid to, to ask my wife like, hey, what was that third? Because it wouldn't be the first time that I've forgotten something and I don't want to admit that sometimes I could be a bad listener. Um, but moral of the story, just write it down. You will remember that way. But when God says something to you, you want to record it. Because the enemy, he's an expert at stealing the seeds of truth that God wants to plant in your life. And we talked about this a little bit in our last series, Identity. We talked about how the enemy is like a thief that, that wants to steal, kill, and destroy the truth of who you are and your identity. And it's no different here. The enemy just wants to, to steal those truths. And so it's so important to write it down, to document it. You know, tell me if this has ever happened to you where God maybe shows you something that you know definitely came from, because it's something that you've been talking about, it's something that you've been praying about, and it's almost like just so obvious, like this is from God, because this is everything that I've been asking and praying about. But then you don't write it down, and then like maybe an hour later you're like, well, I, I think it's, it's probably God, you know, and then, and then a week goes by, and you're like, well... Maybe it was just the pizza that I ate late last night and, or that night and it was just indigestion, you know, like maybe. And then what happens is God's, what God has spoken is just like vanished because you never wrote it down. And so when you write it down, it becomes a spiritual anchor where you can remember what God spoke to you and you have reference to go back to it. So again, when you're in this place of just not understanding, like God, you stop and you listen, you're like, what are you saying? And then whatever he reveals to you or teaches you, you write it down. And I know I, I used to be better about this, and I want to get better about it. But I used to have a prayer journal that I would, um, I would write, and I would share, like, just different prayer requests or just different revelations that I felt like God was teaching me in any given day. And, and then when I was having a hard time or I'm at this kind of a crisis of belief point, I would go back into that journal and kind of thumb through the past and see how faithful God was through other times where I was struggling. It would be a huge source of encouragement for me. In fact, I don't know if some of you guys might remember, it was about a year ago, around this time, around Valentine's Day, um, and my wife and I were up here sharing our story of like how we met, and I, I shared in that that I had written many times in a prayer journal just for my future wife that I didn't know at the time, just asking God to protect her, to watch over her, keep her safe, and then selfishly that he would bring her quickly to cross my path. And, um, 
And the cool thing is, is that on the night that I proposed to my wife, I was able to take all the collection of years of, of praying for her. And, and then like on the last page, it says like on this night, I met this girl named Holly. And it was like in a ministry much like this. And it was just like, it was just really cool. And, and so I know some of you guys are like, ah, that's sick. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but the point is, write it down. You never know how God is going to want to use it for his glory and a sense to encourage you as well. So what do you do when you hit the crisis of belief? You stop and listen. And when he shows you anything at all, document it, write it down. And the third thing you do when you're in the dip is wait. awkward, right? <laughs> it's like, say something. We get it, all right? No, but we are creatures. We're just like, we want instant return. We are, we live for instant gratification. And some of us, we don't like to wait. And some of us, we don't want to wait. Yeah, watch what God says to Habakkuk in verse 3 again. It says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. When God promises you something, you may have to wait a while. But you can take his promise to the bank. And some of you right now, you're in the waiting zone. You believe that God has shown you something. You've recorded it. And now you're, you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And you're, you're afraid that it might not come to pass. And remember this, God's delays are not God's denials. When God has promised something, it will come to pass. When you look through the Bible, you'll see example after example of people who would, God would promise something and then they'd wait. God says, Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver God's people and rebuild the nation. And then Moses goes on a 40-year wandering tour of the desert. 40 years, and what does he do? He waits and waits, and God brings it to pass. The story of Joseph. God says, you're going to be a great leader. And what happens to Joseph? His brothers beat the snot out of him, throw him in a pit, gets sold into slavery, goes into prison for a couple of years. And then it's not until many years later that that promise is actually fulfilled and God elevates him to become second in command in all of Egypt. God promised Abraham and Sarah a child in their well past age of being able to, to bear children. And then in after that promise, it took another 25 years before that promise was ever fulfilled. And there's so many more examples. You sometimes just wait. And now a lot of people think that when you're waiting, that there's no movement. Yet what do you waiters at restaurants do? They serve. And we're called to do the same thing when we're waiting. You just, you continue to serve God, with everything that you have in you, even when you don't understand, even when things around you don't make sense, you just continue to move forward and you embrace and you wrestle and you serve all for his glory. And if you hold on to him and wait on him, you will find that along the way there is this appointed time and you realize 
There's nothing you can do to speed this time up because it's God's time. And there's nothing you can do to slow it down because it's God's time, his appointed time. Wait for it. You know how long it took Habakkuk or how long he waited for it was a very, very long time. In fact, most of his people didn't even see it come to pass until the next generation when God's promise was fulfilled. And so even if you don't see his promises fulfilled, they will be fulfilled because God's word is absolutely true. And some of you right now, again, you're in this waiting zone. You are in the dip. And you believe God has promised you something, but you don't see it. And I want to reread Habakkuk 2, 3, but I want to use the Living Bible Translation. And when I do, I pray that it really speaks just spiritual encouragement for you guys. It says, these things I plan, God says they won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when division will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. So God knows that the idea of the Babylonians being used to discipline and punish the Israelites doesn't sit well with Habakkuk. And it's like he says, Habakkuk, do this. Stop and listen. I'm going to speak to you. Take notes and then wait. And what you're going to see is that God is going to address Habakkuk's concerns about the Babylonians. It's like God's saying, Habakkuk, I, I understand that the Babylonians are bad and that you think they need to get theirs. Well, they're going to when I'm ready. When they're going to, and they're going to get it. And it's going to be good. It's going to be kind of like... When you're a kid and you do something wrong and your mom might say, wait till your dad comes home. It's like this instant fear, this, this punishment, oh no, it's coming. And it actually reminds me of a story when I was the father role. And some of you might remember this, I've shared this before, but um, my wife Holly, she was watching my oldest daughter Allie when she was four years old. This is when we were back in San Diego. And she had her good friend with her. They went to like a fast food restaurant. They were playing on the play structure that they had there. And the two girls were just giggling and having a good time. And they started saying like poopy head. And poopy head was never really like a bad word. Like it didn't become one until there was another parent that was there. And their kids started coming around our daughter and her friend. And then their kids started saying poopy head. And next thing you know is their parents are like... You stay away from that bad, bad influence. And then suddenly Holly really did care that they were saying poopy head. And they're like, stop saying that. You're not going to say that anymore. So they get back to the house. And sure enough, the, the girls start giggling and saying poopy head again. And, and so Holly's like, Hallie, if you say that one more time, you're going to get soap in your mouth. All right. So I'm at work, coming home. Open the door. You know, you just want the kids run to you, the wife. It's just like everything you imagine. It's like, this is amazing. The hero, yay. Come in. First thing I hear when I open the door is poopy head screamed out. And then just followed by giggling and laughter. And I'm, I'm not thinking anything of it. And until I see Holly's eyes reach mine, she's like, I told them if they say that one more time that Allie's getting soap in her mouth. 
And she was telling me in a way that was not saying, like, that's what she was going to go do. She was very much saying it in a sense of, like, this is what you're going to do. And I'm just like, but, but, but I want to be the, the good guy. And I'm like, no, okay, I was, I was made for this to, you know, instill fear in my children, right? And so I'm going <laughs> to, not at all. So I opened the door, and I'm like, Allie, your mom told you not to say poopy head. And now you have to pay the consequence. You have to put soap in your mouth. And she's so sweet. She didn't, like, put up a fight or because she's never had soap in her mouth. And so she didn't, she didn't cry about it. She just obediently followed me to the bathroom. And, and I'm, like, looking around for soap. And I'm looking at the, you know, the hand pump. And I'm like, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm looking for a bar of soap. And the only bar of soap that we happened to have was a Dove bar of soap. I don't know if any of you had Dove bar of soap. It's great soap, but it tends to be some of the most, like, slimiest, scummiest soap, especially if it's been sitting in the shower. So I grabbed this scummy bar of soap. A good parent would have wiped the scum and dried it all off. I am not a good parent. I'm still trying to learn how to become a good parent. And so I, I put it in front of her face, and I realized I probably should have gave a little bit more instructions I just said, put your mouth on it. And um, next thing I know, she's slurping the soap scum. <laughs> Not just slurping it, but swallowing it. And immediately starts projectile vomiting everywhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I killed our daughter. And I glance over real quickly to her friend who was on the other side of the bed, and she just dropped down to the floor because she thought she was next. She probably thought this was like a normal punishment routine where we just make our daughter puke everywhere. And then it was like two days later, I get a text from her friend's father, who happened to be one of my best friends. He's like, you know, I came home from work the other day. I plopped on the couch, and I said, man, I'm pooped. He's like, next thing I know, my daughter's frantically running out of her room saying, you can't say that. Allie's dad is going to put soap in your mouth. So that was my wait till your dad comes home. But anyways, all that to say, basically God is saying, the Babylonians, they're going to get soap in their mouth. Just kidding. But just wait, Habakkuk, just because I am the heavenly father who is just and righteous. And they will get due punishment for their sins. And here's how God says it in Habakkuk 2.4. See the enemy, he's talking about the Babylonians, he says, is puffed up. His desires are not upright. See, the Babylonians are going to think it's all about them and that God's rules do not apply to them and they got it all figured out and their desires are not upright. And then if, if you skip ahead and look at verses 6 through 19, and you can read this on your own time because we won't have enough time to, to go through all of it. But what you're going to find is that God very boldly issues five woes to Babylon. And what he's going to say is, is, I know what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm going to punish them. And I'll just summarize and give you the high points tonight. So verse 6, God is speaking to the Babylonians who are thieves. And they are stealing. And he says, woe to him who piles up stolen goods. You are going to pay for what you've done. Verse 9, he's talking to the cheaters or the deceivers. And he says, woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain. You are going to get what's coming for you. Verse 12, 
He's talking to the violent ones, and he says, Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed. Verse 15, he's talking to the partiers. He says, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors. And you learn it's because they're, they're trying to get them drunk so they can take advantage of them. Verse 19, he's talking to the idolaters, those who believe that their meaning is going to come from things of this world. And he says, Woe to him who says to wood or objects, Come to life. You're going to fulfill me. You're going to satisfy me. And God says, in my time, wait for it. And you will see my punishment is absolutely just. They will get what is coming for them. Wait for it. My word is good, says the Lord. Let's look again at Habakkuk 2.4. And this time, we'll pick up the second part of the verse. Um, but this part is what many people say it were considered to be the key verse in all of the book of Habakkuk. And so the first part said, God says, see, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But there's this an another group of people, God says, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The righteous, those who are mine, they're going to live not by what they see. They will live by faith. They will, live, they will have faith in whatever God has said. They have listened. They have faith in what they have recorded and in believing God has spoken. And they will have faith to wait on God through all this to fulfill, fulfill his promise. And when life, it doesn't even look like it makes sense, they will consistently have faith in him. And then you see it grow to this place they never could have envisioned or imagined for themselves. So the righteous will not live by what they see, but they will live by faith that God will be true to his word. And if you ever want your, your faith built up, I encourage you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the faith chapter, where it highlights people that lived by faith. Noah, by faith, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham and Sarah were well past their childbearing years, and yet God brought them a son. And then by faith, Abraham offered that very son as a sacrifice because that's what God had asked him to do as a test to see how strong his faith was. And then before Abraham actually, he didn't do it. God told him not to and ended up providing a lamb instead. By faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. By faith, the Israelites walked through the Red Sea and parted on both sides and they escaped the Egyptians. And they did this by faith. The righteous will live by faith. And we, as God's people, will live by faith. So when God promises you things like that he has a hope and a future for you like he does in Jeremiah 29, 11, you live by faith. Even when things don't look like they're going that way, you live by faith because you know what he promised will come to pass. Now what happens when you're living by faith and in your lifetime, you still don't see what God, what you believe God promised. I'm going to invite the worship team up right now, too. There's three words that you have to remember and you never let go of. If, if no matter what, you, you want this place here where you've grown closer to God and you've grown in your faith and your intimacy. Three words to remember on your journey as you're going through the dip. 
and it is but the Lord. And you will find these words in verse 20 of Habakkuk chapter 2. When Habakkuk says, even though I understand, even though I don't like it, and even though I I really don't want to believe that this is what's going to happen, he says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is still in charge, but the Lord, he is good. He is righteous. He is true, but the Lord is still there. Even though everything else that I don't want to see is there, but the Lord is in his temple. And then it goes on, it says, let all the earth be silent before him because the Lord is in his temple. And because he is still on the throne, I will live by faith. So what do you do when you have this crisis of belief, these hardships in your life, these trials, and you're going through the dip? You listen. You stop and you listen. You record it, whatever God might show you or reveal to you. You write it down so you can remember it and don't let the enemy steal that from you. And you wait with everything you have inside you, living by faith because the Lord is in his temple. Will you guys pray with me? God, we are so grateful that you are in your temple, Lord, and that you are a God of your word. God, I know that there's times in our lives when that is hard. It is so hard to believe and to know and to trust. But God, we know that when we do record these things in our life, that we are able to reflect and to see, God, that you are consistent and that you are good and that you are a God of your word. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here, Lord, that just feels as though they are living in the dip right now, God, but maybe they've been in a standstill. They've been thinking they're just waiting with no movement. God, I pray that you would move them in this time of waiting, that you would move in their hearts, God, that they would move to serve and to look for you in every possible way in every day. And God, I pray that you would encourage them and grow them in their faith. God, that we would learn to wrestle and embrace you even in the difficult times of our lives, knowing, God, that it will lead us to a place that we could have never imagined or dreamed as we grow in our our relationship and our, our, our trust and our faith in you, Lord. God, we thank you for your word in Habakkuk tonight, Lord, and for reminding us that you are still in your holy temple, Lord. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Mm-hmm.